The amazing physical pleasures of life, like wine, can help us lead a life of joy and vitality if we use them properly. Don't overindulge. It's not about being a foodie, but about being a Yehudi. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to Rabbi E in 3. I'm Rabbi Yosef Edelstein. That's Rabbi E for short. And this is coming to you as a Facebook live stream video or later on as a YouTube video. You can find on the Moor DC YouTube channel or as a podcast, audio alone, of the Rabbi E in 3 podcast series. <laughs> so there's multiple ways to access this uh hopefully elevating information, <laughs> or many ways to try to avoid this elevating information. And um, I don't want to alarm people, but I want to intrigue people by showing something that is a very beautiful uh, sight to behold, a bottle of delicious kosher wine. And this is indeed one of my favorite topics, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, pl pleasures in the world. And there's delicious kosher wine, by the way, which many people, especially slightly older, like my age, are not even aware of the world-class vineyards and wineries and of every kind to to uh, please the most discriminating palate. But I am not coming here to promote the drinking of wine or validate it, certainly not underage drinking or anything of the sort. But I am coming to discuss what really is a very fascinating topic, and that is physical pleasures, and how the Torah and Judaism, broadly speaking, look at them. And that's why I have the bottle of wine. Right, It's not Shabbat yet, but Shabbat is coming. And indeed, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, on Shabbat, it's a mitzvah to have a cup of this wine, any great wine, any kosher wine, as we sanctify and elevate the day. So this is Rabbi Ian 3 on physical pleasures and Judaism in a short encapsulation of that vast topic, or the subtitle would be, not a foodie, a Yehudi. Yehudi means Jew in Hebrew. Not a foodie, but a Yehudi. So why am I even talking about this now? So it happens to be connected to this week's Torah portion, Naso, the second portion of the book of Bamidbar, Numbers. But whether you look at the Torah portion weekly or not, it doesn't matter. There's a fascinating observance, tradition, in ancient Israel. It's not really done nowadays by and large, okay? Don't try it at home. But there was something the Torah describes as a man or a woman of their own free will taking a temporary vow to abstain from wine. A neder, a vow of nazirus. A nazir means someone who separates. That's one meaning of the word nazir, who separates for a temporary period usually, though they could do it for a long, long time or their whole life, but that wasn't usual, abstain from wine. And they even had to abstain from grapes because that could lead you, eating grapes, that could lead you to drink wine. And there were other things. They couldn't go into a cemetery, which would make them spiritually impure. That's a law in the Torah. They had to let their hair grow. But the main idea of this temporary period of abstention was not to have wine. That was the main focus of it. Now you might say, why on earth would any clear-thinking, <laughs> pleasure-loving uh, man or woman decide voluntarily to abstain from this incredibly blessed drink? Yayin, wine. 
This is Tabor. It's actually a very good wine. But in any case, um, I, I digress to the actual uh, bottle. Um, why would someone do that? So I think the assumption is in the context that sometimes a person might want to temporarily draw back from involvement in physical pleasures in this world. And yayin, wine, is definitely in Jewish tradition and rabbinic literature the paradigm of physical sensual pleasures in this world, or one of the main ones. Uh, They didn't know about sushi back then, I don't know, but what we talk about here, the themes and the concepts, certainly apply to sushi and other things. But wine is the symbol, if you will, of the, the physical blessing of this world, the delight of physical pleasure, wine. Okay, now, so why would someone abstain from wine? Because maybe they just need a break. Too much partying, too many, you know, office parties. I don't know, but they, for, for a month usually, they say, I'm going to take a netter. And by the way, we, we're, not, um, we're not casual with making a vow. Vows in general in Judaism were sometimes used as a means of inspiring someone to higher levels of righteousness, but were also cautioned against making vows. But back in the day, this was considered basically a good thing if you wanted to, to make a temporary vow not to drink wine. I'm going to get more in touch with prayer, Torah study. I don't know. I don't want to like, you know, fall asleep at the table after too many, whatever the reason is. But let's assume there was a noble motivation for temporary abstention from wine. So I, I already said a noble in, um, intention, but it's interesting. The Torah in this week's portion describes such a person indeed as noble, actually as holy, kadosh, in one respect. This is a very wonderful, holy thing to do. Holy, elevated, meaning at this point in my life, I'm feeling that the involvement with wine or these, you know, as a physical pleasure is maybe an obstruction to reaching higher levels of, I don't know, connectedness, attention to family, whatever it is. And so the Torah calls such a person a holy person. And it actually uses an expression that suggests that it's a wondrous and heroic action. And it really is. In a a physical world loaded with pleasures and loaded with good wine, and believe me, Israeli wines are really good nowadays. Check them out. Tabor and Yardane and (laughs) Tepperberg, many, many others. Reconati, I don't want to... Okay, that's not the point of this uh, podcast, is it? Okay, or this video. But... um, Right. It's a beautiful, heroic thing. I'm stepping back from an over-involvement in physical pleasures. That's holy. Holy means I want to connect to God. I want to be elevated beyond just, you know, being obsessed with physicality. But on the other hand, in the very same passage in the Torah, there's a suggestion in a certain wording. We don't have to go into it now, but the Talmud expounds on it. There's a suggestion that this person, this Nazarite, this Nazir, this man or woman, temporarily for noble reasons abstaining from wine, is a sinner, is making a mistake, is missing the mark, which is the literal etymology of the word hate, sin, in Judaism. So what are they? A holy person or a sinner? And why on earth are they a sinner? I mean, you know, I mean, maybe the the wine companies are upset that they're not, you know, they're not selling, you know, too many volume of bottles with all these Nazarites around, but how are they sinning? So here's the idea. The idea is that sometimes, well, let's, let's, let's say it like this. Two extremes, both not healthy, not sustainable, and not Jewish inherently, right? Traditionally, inherently Jewish. One is the extreme of hedonism. 
nonstop involvement with physical pleasure, wine and 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 feasting, eating and drinking and being merry all day long, every single day. Is it evil? Is it the worst sin in the world? No, but it's missing out on higher purposes and meaning in life. Even, and by the way, I'm not talking about forbidden pleasures. The Torah forbids certain pleasures. Let's say you have kosher wine and kosher hamburgers day in and day out for <laughs> weeks on end. Okay, that, I think Jewishly, we'd say it's like going overboard, right? It's disconnecting from a higher purpose to life than merely enjoying the beautiful physical pleasures that are in this world. Again, I want to stress, we do not believe the physical world, or I should say, we don't believe it or its pleasures are evil or bad, but an over-involvement can certainly lead to neglect of higher calling and higher pursuits. So the one extreme is hedonism. The other extreme, asceticism. I, I, I starve myself. I deny myself pleasures. You know, I would say, I, I, I won't even look at the pretty colors of the leaves. I'll just, I'll blindfold myself. Why? Because I just don't want to be distracted from unifying my consciousness with God and the physical world is a barrier. It's an obstruction. Pleasures get in the way of spiritual. That would be like hardcore asceticism. Take a vow of poverty, go live alone. That's not a Jewish way. The rabbis say that's the wrong approach. The right approach is somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle, neither a hedonist nor an ascetic. Now that can sound like, oh great, moderation. And yes, in a certain sense, moderation, which nowadays sort of has a bad name, I think, is because we live in a time with such superabundance of physical pleasures that you say moderation, it's like, oh, you're ruining the party. But no, moderation is neither too much one way or the other. But it's more than moderation. Let's understand. Why is it more than just kind of a bland, you know, outlook of just moderate, Think about this. At the holiest moments in our tradition, or some of them, wine is connected to them. The rabbis say that at a circumcision, when a Jewish boy is initiated into the covenant, the holy covenant between us and God, to be a light unto the nations, to try to live a moral, upright, mitzvah-based life on behalf of our, ourselves and all of humanity, at a circumcision, it's done over a cup of wine. When a man and a woman get married under a chuppah, they do it over a cup of wine, and very beautiful blessings, by the way, on that cup of wine. And in a few hours on the holy day called Shabbat, we begin Shabbat by declaring the holiness, sanctity, specialness, connectedness of Shabbat over what? Over a cup of wine. So we see that our great sages saw that wine, and wine, let's just say, stands in a certain way for intense physical pleasure, is connected to the most holy moments, many of them, in our experience. Now, now why are they doing that? Are they just saying like, okay, well, we're, we're nourishing the soul with this blessing or observance, and now let's, let's kind of kick the body in and let it get some pleasure? Uh, maybe that's a way of looking at it, but I think it's much more than that. Because, and here's the point, Let's go back to the Nazarite. The Nazar separates from wine temporarily. That is called holy in the Torah, but our great sages say that's a lower level of holiness. It's really a, um, it's a step on the ladder to the highest rung of holiness. What do I mean? The lower level of holiness is, you know, it's going to distract me, it's going to confuse me, confound me, make me too physical, sensual, whatever, and I can't deal with it, and I'm going to, okay, that might be good temporarily, or it might be ideal as a stepping stone to the higher level. What's the higher level? Not to separate from the physical pleasure, but to elevate 
the physical pleasure. And that truly, when you study the sources, everyone, that's the deeper meaning of holiness. Holiness does not mean separation from the physical. That's called precious. That's a noble trait, like we said at times. Holiness means being able to be involved with the physical pleasures and the physical pursuits of life, but not let them take us down, make us too earthy, too sensual, forget about higher levels of experience, right? But to elevate that we shouldn't be taken down by the physical pleasure, but that we should be elevated by it and elevate the wine or the sushi or whatever. So we see, and that, by the way, that's one of the ideas of making a blessing. The idea that the rabbis instituted to make a blessing, not some ritual, some religious ritual, before you drink a wine, say these words and then you're cool. No, it's an expression that this physical pleasure, whether it's the wine or the sushi or the coffee, I'm letting it all hang out. These are all my favorite pleasures, right? Um, That it is something given to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by God, as a gift. He created a world full of pleasures and pleasures that he wants us to enjoy, not in a way that degrades us, but using those pleasures to elevate us and to elevate the wine itself and the physical pleasures themselves that are being used properly. You might say, well, come on, does God really want us to, to, to enjoy those pleasures? Absolutely. You know, when, when Adam and Eve were created, it says in the book of Genesis, God said to Adam and Eve, Achol tochel, eat, you shall surely eat from the trees of the garden. And some translations say, you may eat. That's one approach. But my rabbis always taught me it really more closely to the grammar means eat, you shall eat, meaning a commandment, a mitzvah to enjoy the pleasures of Ganeid in the Garden of Eden and the world. Now, it doesn't mean the Torah is saying, go out and, you know, like we said, buy every kind of wine and taste every kind of sushi and kosher delicacy and become, I mean, no, that's taking it down the wrong, that's taking it too extreme to, to the path where it really is controlling you and it's becoming your identity. The purpose of life is not eat, drink, and be, be merry for tomorrow you die, right? I would say eat, drink in moderation, in a healthy way and be basimcha, be full of joy, so you can utilize this beautiful life we have to do great acts of righteousness and kindness. And, by the way, that physical pleasure of the wine or the sushi or the coffee, as much as each one of us needs that, it gives us peace of mind and clarity and calm to be able to turn our attention for most of our days to higher pursuits of Torah, mitzvot, good deeds. But it also is a means to thank God himself. Back to the blessing. We thank Hashem for the blessing, the delicious taste of a wine or of a sushi. And thereby we elevate the pleasure connected to something eternal, to its source of the pleasure, which is indeed eternal. And it becomes part of our larger goal in life. Because the goal of life is not to be a foodie. The goal of life is to be a Yehudi, if you're Jewish. And Yehudi comes from the root word that means to praise or give thanks. To give thanks for life and everything in this world, to develop ourselves, each one of us, our unique character, our unique talents and capabilities for the benefit of our own sense of completion and for the benefit of the Jewish people and, by extension, the whole world. Not to be a foodie or a ludi. And I couldn't come up with a rhyme for like an ascetic Rudy, I don't know, but to be a Yehudi, to utilize these beautiful pleasures of wine, if you like it at the right time, and certainly Shabbat is an extra right time to do it, and the sushi if you love it or whatever, to utilize them, to not be drowned by them. It's interesting, the word teva, which means nature in 
Hebrew, also comes from the root to be submerged or drowned because indeed the holy tongue teaches us that incredible concept. This physical world is meant to be enjoyed. God says, eat, you shall eat, but you can be drowned. You can be drowned in the pleasures. Don't be drowned. Get that life jacket of studying Torah and uh, and keeping Shabbat. And if you can, keeping the mitzvot as much as you can. That's the life jacket that enables us not to be drowned in the sea of pleasures of this world. Make blessings. They connect us in this moment of wine or coffee to the eternal one. I've said way too much. I hope you're watching. I hope someone's watching. But you know what? I've had fun talking about this. Um, yes. It's harder, by the way, I should say, to do this properly. It's easier to say, I'm not going to ever drink wine again, and I'm off. And again, again, please, if it's bad for you, if it's trouble, do not drink it. This is not promoting wine or any wine company. I want to say that again, right? But the, the, the attitude, right, you can utilize, I hope, what I've said here for the attitude towards physical pleasures in general. Use them wisely. Eat, drink, be besimcha, do it with das, with seichel, with understanding, with balance, with moderation, even though I know that word is not so cool, but it is cool not to be a foodie, but to be a Yehudi. Have a wonderful, and it doesn't mean, you have to, don't take a vow of Nazarite, being a Nazarite, that's, but the, the concept and the idea, maybe you have to take a little break from the foodie stuff and for the wine and the sushi, but you realize that the Torah wants us to be besimcha in this world, and physical pleasures like wine have a role to play in helping us to lead lives of simcha, and with that feeling of vitality and simcha, to lead lives of great purpose and spiritual meaning. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful Shabbos.